So welcome to the very first episode of Big Risk Energy. I'm your host, Roy Samuel. For context, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've built multiple businesses, including one that I scaled to 8 million monthly users and sold to a gaming business in 2018. I've been an angel investor for the last five years, and I'm very passionate about mental health and neurodiversity, suffering from severe ADHD and dyslexia myself. On this podcast, Big Risk Energy, we'll be talking to an incredible range of people, from entrepreneurs to investors, academics to actors, musicians, politicians, scientists, and everyone in between. We'll be talking to these people about risk. Risks they've taken in their lives, risks they've taken in their careers, when they paid off, and when they didn't. And on today's episode, I'm blessed to be joined by the one and only Johan Pavi. Johan was the head of social for Deliveroo, the head of performance for Perkbox, the head of digital for Depop, yep. and an all-round growth guru. Johan, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. That's great. So let's dive straight into it. You started off as an engineer mm-hmm. and made that decision to jump into being a marketer. So you immediately went in with a big risk there. <laughs> so tell us about that. Yes. Um, so yeah, I, I come from France and I followed kind of the 80s kid uh, path of you know, following what my parents wanted me to do. I was kind of good in math and physics. So went into engineering as like the most logic uh, pass for where I was at the time um, and I went all the way through to actually starting career as an engineer so more in the project management mm-hmm. uh, side of engineering um, and in very traditional uh, industries so I think I started um, well I actually never worked in France I started straight away in the in the UK more in the Bristol area in the space field okay. um, for like a for my first job like a year, year and a half trying to set up uh, an, an actual, not startup, more like a scale-up French uh, space agency, wow. engineering agency, and, and, and I was trying to build their business in the UK as a 21-year-old kid. Wow, <laughs> I didn't actually realize that. Yeah. So how did you get from, from France to Bristol? Because they, they wanted to get more um, European programs uh, wins in terms of like um, pitching for, for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and being in South of France was kind of a, uh, a blocker for more European projects. So need, they needed someone who kind of speak to, spoke English. Even now I'm like, struggling. we're getting there. Don't we're worry. getting there. <laughs> yeah. But going into the UK and kind of be there to set the function in this country to, to, to try and be in those pitches and, wow. and, and win contracts. Uh, which I didn't. <laughs> it was really hard, um, and I, I kind of like um, survived for like almost two years in that job. Um, but I got an opportunity to move to London, which was more attractive for me from a lifestyle point mm-hmm. of view. And I, I was like, I need to go to the to big city. Nothing against Bristol. No, nothing. Yeah. I, I, I still go back there sometimes. You know, it was it was great. Um, I was actually living in Cardiff for information guy. I think it was cheaper okay. for them to like place me there. So I was driving to Bristol a lot. Yeah. Anyway, another another story for another <laughs> time. Um, so yeah, I moved to London uh, to go to Ford. So I moved to Automotive, which I, I um, was a, a project manager, like managing engineers to launch certain cars in certain mm-hmm. countries like South America, Asia, etc. 
Um, and I did that for almost four, like three, between three and four years. Mm. Um, and I got gradually, not bored of it, but like got out of it, kind of grew out of it. Um, but it's interesting because at that point, yeah. You know, you must have been on a certain trajectory, and with a company like yeah. Ford as well, yeah. you know, if you can navigate your way to that top of that yeah, corporate yeah, ladder, yeah. there's potential, yeah, big yeah, payout there. So it's a, it's a big risk. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I was kind of—it's not like I was set, but I was on a path of like, I had my own cubicles yeah. and like all my uh, engineers' colleagues that, that their diplomas on the wall with like you know, 30 years diploma, 35 years diploma. Of like being at Ford for that long and like building their career all mm -hmm. the time, etc. Um, and that didn't have the same effect on me that it did on them. Like for me, it was like, oh shit, I don't know if we can curse on this, no, but like, I was like, it, yeah, oh my god, like this is what is like is that, is that going to be my life now for the yeah. next thirty years? Yeah. And uh, that got more and more scary for me, and mm -hmm. I think uh, realized soon enough that uh, I needed to like find something else. Which, which is really interesting because I think for certain psychological types, yeah. that fear of this being the next thing, yeah, yeah. that's actually the risk, Yeah. right? That's yeah, the yeah. risk because you never go beyond those walls. So at that point, yeah. it becomes almost like a no-brainer that you've mm. got to start following the passion, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's where the kind of the idea grew in my head that I needed to find something that I like better. And like, who, who, who am I? Like, what do I like and stuff? And um, I always knew I had uh, quite a big creative mind that wasn't used at work, but mm -hmm. I was using a lot outside of work. Um, whether it was like interest in music or art or design or, uh, or marketing even, like just like looking at communications in general and our company were like uh, expressing that. Um, and it was also the rise of like, um, you know, smartphones and mm -hmm. social media and YouTube, Facebook, um, that, that kind of grew in my earlier years uh, as an engineer. And that kind of, that's where one, uh, every, all of this started, mm -hmm. you know, social media. So, um, so that piqued my interest and that's where I kind of got lucky into finding this post from a next, uh, an, an ex um, colleague of mine uh, from uni mm -hmm. um, that was looking for like, entry jobs, agency, yeah. uh, account managers in London uh, for a small um, Facebook partner shop mm -hmm. uh, that was working across multiple industries and clients to run Facebook ads. And I, I didn't know what it was. I was like, well, that is this, but that sounds good. <laughs> like, whatever, whatever this is, that's because I'm spending a lot of time on Facebook at the yeah, time. Yeah, especially at that time. I yeah, yeah. Say. and I was like, this is what I'm using. I love sharing, yeah. you know, uh, photos and what I'm doing and connecting with people. I'm, I'm living abroad, so I'm using it as a vehicle to like talk to my childhood friends and family all the time and that kind of like it was already very important in my life I guess as a lot of people but I was like, I'm gonna make this my yeah. my thing like I want to do this every day so um so that's that's uh, that's why I took the risk like the, the one of probably the biggest risk I ever took in my career yeah uh, it's yeah. amazing and to, then to switch yeah. yeah well it's it's yeah. a huge risk and I think it's something which a lot of people struggle with so many people I speak to I'm sure the same is they get into that stage in their careers where they're, they're getting a bit bored, they're thinking about what, what's outside there. Now, you're obviously a, a, an amazing example of when that can go incredibly well. And 
you know, you. Uh, tell us about how, how did you come across Deliveroo? Because, you know, at that time, Deliveroo was obviously not what it is now. Again, another risk joining a, a startup. Yeah. Um, so I, I did about a year and a half at this agency. Yeah. That went super fast. I learned really quickly. I was slightly older than people joining that company at that time, like most, most account engineer, uh, sorry, account engineer, account managers were like 21, yeah. 22, and I was already 26. Yeah. It kind of made a difference because, and I came from an engineering kind of career. So I, I, I had kind of the, the maturity and like kind of the process in my head of you like, were on it. yeah, if I, if I want to make, be successful, I know what I have to do. Yeah. And um, I think that kind of showed very quickly I had a lot of responsibility across like multiple uh, clients, some of the biggest in the in the company at the time. Um, became the like technical account manager for the agency, setting up all the clients like integrations with uh, you know measurement partners mm-hmm. and things like that. So like, I really like digged into like understanding how this works, you know, yeah. deeply. Um, and we went for a pitch uh, to deliver with the with the the agency CEO at the time and did you guys know much about delivery where, where were they in I that think journey? he did I didn't I okay. was just I, I, I came here as the as the you know technical lead and we're yeah. like yeah I'm gonna try and help like in the discussion to like try and pitch delivery yeah. which was not small but still on a neighborhood by neighborhood basis like not everywhere in London so what year was this when, when was this Do it was 2017. Okay, fine. 2017, fine. yeah. Yeah. So it was already Series B, I think, for mm-hmm. Deliveroo, but like probably less than 150 employees. Okay. Just in London and maybe five cities in the UK and just launched Paris. That was it. Interesting. So I remember discovering Deliveroo in 2015 yeah. when I started to rapidly gain weight, interestingly. It okay. just happened to be at the same time. Okay. Don't know okay. if the two were related. I was, <laughs> I was living in Shoreditch maybe, at the time, but maybe. it potentially ruined my life. But, oh, you know, good marketing at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so it wasn't, uh, uh, you know, in, in, it, it wasn't the beginning of the really hyper growth phase yeah. for delivery when they were looking for an agency to run their ads because they were going to put significant amount mm-hmm. of budget into it to expand in what I didn't know at the time was going to be like 12 countries, literally three months in the job. Wow. Um, so we went for that pitch literally the next day. Um, the marketing director at the time, uh, George, hit me up on LinkedIn and it was like, hey, look, uh, are you interested in actually joining full time? I don't think we need the agency, but I think we need you. Yeah. And um, I was lucky enough to join as like their first uh, digital marketer, literally, for Which the first is, channel. It's amazing to think that because yeah. now building a startup, mm. to think that you could get to a Series B without having like it's a. It's crazy. A, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, insane yeah, yeah. that you can get to that level. Yeah. Now it's one of the first hires you've got to make. It's mad because it's what happened again at Depop. Yeah. Like Depop was Series B, contacted me and told me we have no one. <laughs> we're using this agency. We don't think we're doing it very well. Yeah. There's no one internally that does digital marketing. Yeah. We don't believe in it. Oh, that also what they wow, told me. We don't okay. believe in it. But if you can come and like, are you interested? 
So is this the sign of a truly great viral product where they can I think get? so, I think so. Yeah. And that, I think that's what both times, well, I think the first time we delivered, I didn't know. I was, yeah. le- I was still young and learning the, the ropes and understanding acquisition, mm-hmm. retention, and the paid side, the organic side. I think everyone was kind of figuring that at mm-hmm. the time. It mm-hmm. was still the fairly early days of like AV paid acquisition, the you know the pros and cons of doing that now people are a lot more clued up as to like why not what to do and what not to do at which stage you are but back then it was still kind of the wild west you know it's like and it was really a a lot easier to raise vc money as well to fuel that because that's what vc wanted like growth Mm -hmm. at all costs Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter your payback Mm -hmm. we want to win a take all type of business so profitability was a dirty word back then exactly and (laughs) the level was the aim was to become like the yeah number one in the world you know minus the us because that was kind of the untouch untouchable but everything else was like we need to be number one um so spend as much as you need to 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 get to get there so that was quite that was quite interesting but the yeah two times the second time i did i kind of followed that pattern yeah at that time i saw the pattern i was like okay they've been running for five six years Mm -hmm. pretty much all organic and like Mm -hmm. really grassroots local events sellers like sellers markets Mm -hmm. and like and they've never done any ads and I'm like, wow. It's crazy. And they already have 6 million users. Yeah, it's amazing. So they didn't know that. But when they pitched me, I was like, this is going to be, for me, it's going to be an easy gig. Like, it's, it's got, I know it's going to work. Like, they don't know, but I think I know it's going to yeah. work. And it worked. Um, and then that's, that, yeah, that's, 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 that's where I kind of took the, the ship. That's really interesting. And do you think now with, because back then, and for sure with, Deliveroo, maybe not Depop, but obviously mm. platforms like Facebook, Instagram, you could go genuinely viral without putting any budget behind it. When, yeah, we, were, yeah. when we were running Real Sport, yeah. we used to run some campaigns and we would get millions of views yeah. with literally no spend whatsoever, which obviously would facilitate yeah. B2C companies getting that mm. organic acquisition, yeah. maybe not in a way that we see now. Do you think the, the market's changed? Do you think that level of viral customer acquisition is still attainable in 2022? I think so. For example, with TikTok, I think mm-hmm. it's still a ton of opportunities with that platform to use organic to grow to grow that fast. Unfortunately, when I was at Deliveroo, I was so focused on paid and acquisition because that's what I learned. Yeah. I kind of uh, wrongly blindsided by the organic side of things. It was yeah. kind of, I was less interest, interested by it or... or, or, or skillful mm-hmm. um so yeah i was really focused on acquisition but yeah i think i still i still think it's possible just need to find the new the new ways the new channel to get that organic that free organic reach you know like linkedin for example i was just gonna yeah. say you know we talk about linkedin yeah. so much i mean we've been working together probably about 18 months yeah, now, yeah. and yeah. linkedin is so important i think it's such an yeah. amazing testing ground for good organic content yeah, as well yeah, yeah. you know if it yeah. gets good organic traction on linkedin yeah. you, you know that you can really try and then amplify that on other platforms yeah. whatever it might be but one of the reasons i wanted to move from b2c to b2b is because you could utilize linkedin in a way that you used to be able to utilize facebook instagram but you yeah. really can't anymore yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and i think i like that even today you know if if a piece of content doesn't work you know pretty much straight away because it's not being pushed, whether yeah. it's on TikTok or on LinkedIn. A bit different on Instagram because it's kind of, I feel like there's no chance for any content to actually just work. Just pay to play. No? Yeah, it's just pay yeah. to play. 
But if you, in, in, on the opposite, if you do find a piece of content, like you said, that goes a little bit, not viral, I don't like the word viral, but like does better, mm -hmm. then put, you can put a little bit of money behind that. And then you know it's going to be supercharged. Um, so I kind of like that balance now that you, you kind of know pretty quickly if something is going to work or not and you can use paid to supercharge it. Um, and, uh, and there's new channels to do that. Like TikTok is brilliant for that. Like it yeah. works really well. We do that right now. Like we post every day, seven days a week um, at the company I am now mm -hmm. at Nude. And when I see something that does a little bit better, like every day we post. So like it's easy to get the signals. Yeah. As soon as we get the signals, I put a little bit more money behind it. I know it's going to get like, you know, 10x the amount. You know, it's, and you know it's money well spent because mm. you're getting the eyeball for like so cheap the impressions mm. and the, the awareness. So yeah, I, th I still think it's possible. Yeah. Really, really interesting. And going back to, to risks, because yeah. you're now at a very different stage in your career where you've yeah. got this track record, <laughs> right? So now the risk is not losing it, you know? <laughs> yeah. so, so how do you approach that? Like how, when you're looking at something new, you know, Depop, Delivery, Perkbox, yeah, yeah. these, these names are, you know, household names. Everyone knows these brands. The, yeah. the, the jobs you've done there are incredible. Now the risk is making sure that you can, you know, keep it going. Because yeah, I, yeah, I think that the easy thing to do right now, if I was you, and obviously I'm not, but if I was you, you know, you could set up a consultancy tomorrow. Yeah. I know with the businesses that we have unconnected, I could send you a thousand businesses tomorrow. <laughs> They're going to pay you and, you know, that yeah, yeah, you yeah. could go the safe route. Yeah. But you've, but you've gone the risky route of, of you know, going again. What, yeah. What's the thinking there? Yeah. So I, I think I'm genuinely... I genuinely love growing a business and being focused on a business. And if I see some disruptive potential in that industry, that's gonna really gonna like attract my curiosity to like almost like a challenge. Like I have to make this nice. a unicorn, you know, like it has to work. And um, I did try actually last year before starting at Nude. So just a little. Panthers on, on Nude, it's a fintech app for first-time home buyers to help them save for their deposit. So It's an awesome app, yeah. by the way. I use it. I yeah. highly recommend it. It's really cool. It's really cool. So I did, before that, I did have Nude in my roster as my own little agency shop, yeah. you know, like uh, Johan Pavi. So, uh, so I did that for six months, but um, I, I think I got... Um, attracted by the business the mm -hmm. team the product was mm -hmm. incredible already for like the the size of the business and 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 and, and where they were at the, at the time um in those six months i saw the metrics and where we could take this um it felt like we were already post product market fit mm -hmm. um so it was kind of the right time but still uh, still a, a risk, still a, you know, seed stage company, yeah. uh, much younger than when I joined those big names mm -hmm. that we mentioned, but a bigger role for me, which means I can learn as the company grows as well. And genuinely another opportunity to like, you know, have a third unicorn on my, you know, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's my, pretty good. On my yeah. track record. <laughs> that's, that's my, that's, that's my personal challenge. Like yeah, to, okay. to, you to, make go this, for the to make, to make this a hat trick. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the idea. But, um, 
I'm sure the guys. I'm sure the guys at Nude love hearing that. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I get. Uh, yeah, I get pretty obsessed by the numbers. I, think, I, I guess the quality for what I do for like growth and marketing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I genuinely got really excited about uh, about the mission and uh, helping first-time buyers. I think there is like I actually uh, read this uh, this morning. Um, a very interesting idea in fintech where everyone's trying to bundle everything. There's an idea mm -hmm. of bundling services, whether mm -hmm. it's a savings app or, 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 or you know, current accounts and mm -hmm. things like that. And what we're doing at Nude is like unbundling. We're doing the opposite and we're focusing on just one thing, which is helping first-time buyers. Yeah. And I think that's fundamentally what attracted me because it, go, it goes against mm. everyone else's strategy. And we're really like going deep on that thing to maybe eventually rebundling in the future once yeah. you grow, right? Um, but it's an idea that I think across industries works really well. If you can, you can even make the pilot that that's what Amazon did in the early days. They yeah. focused on books, of course, very, very well, and then everything you know kind of got attached to it. Yeah. Um, same in the creative industry. You know, you've got Adobe, who's uh, arguably like the the most like you know legacy creative tool suite mm -hmm. of like tools you can buy, and now you've got Figma, Canva, yeah, yeah, yeah. like all these kind of tools that like unbundling yeah, what totally. Adobe is doing, focusing on one thing, and then in the future, if they grow to being yeah. big enough, might recompose in yeah. the end and like add more things to it. Which is a really interesting approach, and it mo makes total sense as well, yeah. especially in a backdrop now where yeah. people don't just want to see growth at all costs. Yeah. If you're focused on your vertical, you can prove the unit economics work mm -hmm. there. If you can prove that vertical has a good path to profitability, yeah. You're much more likely to be able to fund the exploration into other verticals and the the rebundling than yeah. if you're saying we're going to do everything. We need 100 million tomorrow. We're going to do everything all at once. Exactly. It's a much more compelling argument, especially with what's going on right now. And it makes marketing easier. Yeah. You know, the messaging, positioning, like all that stuff. It makes it crystal clear. Um, so yeah, it was a risk, but cal calculated. Yeah. Calculated risk. Yeah. Nice. Love yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. And spoken a lot about your career. You know. I feel like marketing, growth, these are things similar to being a founder mm. where there's no ceiling to how much you can put in. Mm. You know, you could yeah, yeah. you could work on this 24 hours a day. Yeah. How do you balance that drive, that hunger, mm. you want to make the third unicorn on, on yeah, the belt yeah, yeah, yeah. with, you know, a balanced life? Yeah. So it's hard. It's hard. Like I, I do have that discussion often with my wife. Uh because I do get quite obsessed with like the, what we're doing and my work, and um, but we've got two kids now. Two kids now, so I do take the time to you know spend time with them and like you know five, five six o'clock when they come back from school and or nursery. Like you know I I do block sometimes um, in the morning or, or the afternoon, but besides that, I, I am constantly thinking about you know, the mission and what yeah. we're trying to do. So I don't, I don't like to use the work, like work-life balance mm -hmm. too much. Um, so how think, do you see it? How do you see it? Yeah, I think, I think it's just about um, putting the right, you know, priority, be in the right space where you are at that moment, like focusing on where you are at that moment. So yeah. if, if I'm with my kids, I'm with my kids, yeah. you know, if I'm with my wife, I'm with my wife. But yeah. I don't um, put like a schedule, like mm -hmm. a rigid thing around mm -hmm. it. Like I really try to like 
manage it as I go. Yeah. Um, and luckily, I think there's more and more companies and startups that understand that. Mm -hmm. So still expecting growth and, and, and being quite aggressive in what they want to do, but at the same time managing people's priorities and agendas and yeah. being flexible around them. Of course. So it's not one size fits all. It's really like on a one-to-one -one basis. So like yeah. I, 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 st I managed to find my sweet spot yeah. for my lifestyle. And I think that's, that's, that's what worked. I don't think you can call it work-life balance, but I, I don't know. I don't have a better word for I, it. I call it being where you need to be. Yeah. If you need yeah. to be with your kids at the time, you're with yeah. your kids. If you need to be yeah. with your wife, you need to be at work, you yeah. need to be at work, you know, and yeah. you know. Yeah. You know, you know where it is that you're, that you're required to be yeah. at that time. Yeah. But, but it's interesting as well, because it, like you said, you know, for me, I think life is all about people, whether yeah. that's personal life, whether it's building a business, you know, connected now, we've got 50 people and mm. it's realizing that everyone's got their own psychological motivators everyone's got their own psychological boundaries as well mm. and as you said it's just about figuring out what works for everyone yeah. some people want to work more some people want to work exactly less. yeah and you, you know? can't stop you can't stop what someone wants to do if you know if that person is in that time and space where maybe they have less responsibility yeah. they've got more anger and yeah. they want to like be more um you know purposeful with their career and and, and advance and and bring more results you can't slow that down you yeah, know like totally. it, you know it's 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 up to them uh, and and if you give the flexibility around that then that's that's great i think that's a good starting point yeah totally yeah. that's why culture is so important yeah. as well yeah. and how do you see culture within the teams that you build are you are you trying to look at the company culture around you and then you know distill mm. that down or do you do you bring a certain style now that you you've got this track record you you know you've got the ability to come in and dictate how do you see it i think i do bring my background with me and like the way things were being done in those companies and more from a process point of view and like rituals and like make sure we write we like talking at the right time about the right metrics and mm -hmm. and that we're not like being blindsided by something else like that that maybe isn't important mm -hmm. for that moment in that company so i do i do bring that but i think personally i, I feel like i do bring my kind of style with me you know like i i'm pretty relaxed and mm -hmm. i i think i i do talk to people um quite often to like understand where they are like mentally and if they're in the right space and and they're enjoying what they're doing and it's not going too fast or is too stressful at that mm -hmm. moment i think i do I, I do bring a lot of that uh, i'm really mindful of that yeah um because you can't be not everyone can be at 100 percent all the time and it kind of go comes and goes and it's about like understanding yeah. where certain people are at, and we're not all at the same time at the same place you know so uh, you know even in a small big team small team you see all the time like some weeks you can you feel when some people in the team are more on it that week versus other people it's about managing that and not expecting everyone to be at the same level all the time yeah so again it goes back to like flexibility not only in the hours of working or yeah. or, or priorities is also in like just the, the mental state of everyone. Totally. Um, it's really interesting. So when, yeah. when my last company was acquired, so the CEO who acquired us is a guy called Gary Cook, who was the CEO of 
Man City. He was on the board of UFC. Wow. He was actually, he was the entrepreneur, before that was a term, mm. of Nike Jordan, alongside wow. Michael Jordan. Really, really awesome guy. Wow. And he used to tell us this story, which, as a United fan, I'm very glad he actually stole from Sir Alex Ferguson. <laughs> so I can tell this story again with a clear conscience and not yeah. know that it's come from the yeah. CEO of Man City, yeah. is the, the Canadian geese. And they fly in this formation. Yeah. And at different times, some of the geese will drop back, some will go into lead. Yeah. Because at different times, they have the energy to go, and sometimes they need to go yeah. and be picked up in the draft. And it's the same with teams, right? It's yeah, understanding yeah, yeah, yeah. who's ready to lead at what point, who's got to drop back, and you know, at different time, making people superstars and understanding that you're going to have those peaks and troughs. So, yeah, yeah I totally agree. Absolutely. And I, I make a lot of uh, co conscious and subconscious parallel with the fact that I played basketball for a long mm. time. And there's a lot of, yeah, it's, 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 you know, teamwork. Yeah. This, it's been a big word, you know, in startups for quite a few years now. But like what it actually means is it, it, there's a lot of parallel with like running a team and playing a uh, a team sport um, so I think about that quite a lot like you know who's who's leading at the time totally. you know the strategies around that having subs you know like yeah. switching players and like who's which having like diversity in talent and yeah. and skill set like this the, the parallels are like endless 100% but, um, I, it's so yeah. interesting isn't it there are yeah. so many sports I don't know if it's just because we're sports fans that we do it <laughs> but sports analogies work yeah, yeah, yeah. so well yeah. in business it's true it's the same it's the same and like um, I think recently I was thinking of uh, something else when we talk about being in flow, you know, at work mm -hmm. when you feel like you're you're in that zone where like nothing can touch you and you're like making some progress and there's like momentum and stuff. I actually physically remember that state playing basketball, you know, in like some moment for like a few minutes, you're like, it's like nothing can stop you. You know, everything goes in, goes in, all your teammates are aligned and like everything flows naturally. Like I, I physically have memories of what it meant you know like in 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 my in my body you know it's really cool so like i i do i do feel that sometimes at work which is strange because it's a completely different thing you know like you're not running around and you're not yeah. but I, I can i can see the the parallel but, it, but it's really interesting i mean i have i wouldn't say controversial but i have unconventional views about reality <laughs> and i find it so interesting how your perception, how your mental state really can change the reality around you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, yeah. you know, if you can unlock that flow, if you can unlock that yeah. state and understand the um, the conditions that you need to create to, to replicate that, I find it fascinating. Yeah, 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 because yeah, yeah. the thing is, you know, genuinely one day, and I don't know if this is an ADHD thing, I don't know if this is a wider thing, but, you know, one day, objectively, nothing may change. Yeah. You may feel on top of the world, the next day you may yeah, feel like yeah, shit, yeah. although nothing's changed, right? It's mm. all yeah, the perception, yeah, yeah. it's all that, that yeah. you know, your view and your relationship with the reality around you. And, and it is fascinating. And, and you know, they've been doing this in sports with sports psychologists and psychiatrists for so many years. It should probably be something utilized. And maybe it is, I, I mean, at Depop Deliveroo when these businesses got big, is that something they ever implemented and, and focused on that. And I guess a lot of early stage startups wouldn't be able to afford that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, not really. No, no, not really. Yeah, yeah, it's more like, it was more like a, a personal mm. kind of, you know, a state. Sometimes with a team, you know, mm. like, but maybe not broader than that, you know, like within your own direct reports and direct teams. But um, I think it would be probably pretty hard to replicate at, at the scale of like, you know, a thousand employees. Yeah. Um, 
but within your own team, like it feels yeah. more, more manageable, you know. I so think it will be the future. I think it will yeah. be the future. When you look at how people, and again, to go back to sports, but how people are, you know, being so scientific with their understanding of performance. And I think yeah. you do, you've, you've had that for a while with like executive coaches and, yeah, yeah. and that sort of thing. But I think really bringing the science in is going to be very, very interesting to see how that develops yeah, yeah. and evolves over the next few years. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, and I've got a few questions I ask every guest that okay. I'd love to jump into. Yeah. We may have already answered the first one, so if so, you can either think of something else on the fly or just, <laughs> or just tell me we've already done it, which is, what's the, the biggest risk you've ever taken and how did it turn out? Well, I think, yeah, we spoke about this at length, but I think it's, it was changing careers, you know. It was, um, it was like jumping into, you know, the, the abyss, you know. Uh, I remember at the time, like no, nothing was sure. Like I was, you know, I took a massive pay cut, mm -hmm. went back to, you know, level zero of my career. I had to learn everything in the pre-interview phase and like almost do my like 10,000 hours in the space of two months before having the first interview. So then I could be like switched on almost like I was already doing the job, even though I'd never done it. Uh, I think that was the biggest risk and like telling my parents that and stuff like that was like a... There was a lot involved in this, but at the time I wasn't married. I didn't have kids. Uh, I could do it. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the time, right? I, and 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 uh, yeah, exactly. And then I switched to like suddenly I was you know making you know one pound pasta yeah. with you know cheddar cheese for like you know for like four 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 five months every day you know just to save money for rent you know yeah um, and that coming from a, a Frenchman must be painful it was painful but for a British yeah, person yeah, that's pretty much normal yeah, cuisine yeah yeah right? it's like yeah yeah exactly that's what we grew up on yeah exactly and a pack of crisps but yeah it was that yeah that was the biggest that was the biggest thing nice okay and if you could do one thing differently in your career what would it have been I think it's something that I still need to do is like, and it goes back to maybe like the mental state or like the balance is like trying to dissociate myself from the numbers. Like mm. I am not the results of the business at that moment because it does the opposite also happens where like things are not growing as well like I physically feel bad and I'm in a bad mood it affects people around me mm -hmm. my family my kids mm -hmm. and it's like and I don't like it you know I, I I can recognize it I can talk to my wife about it she know she can see it yeah. and I'm like you know numbers are bad she's like I noticed she knows before you know you're in a shit mood <laughs> and I'm like okay so I think what I need to do differently is is a bit of uh, dissociating a little bit on that just for my mental well-being uh, I mean it's a really it's a really really interesting one because we have you know founders who come on this and it's it's the same thing right it's understanding that yeah and it's so difficult mm. I think especially for people like me and you where our public personas are so yeah. tied to success yeah, and yeah it's yeah. so yeah. tied yeah. into that the pressure yeah. feels yeah really really just it, it's been put in a pressure cooker yeah. but I think part of of the journey is it's not a single project. It is a lifelong exactly. passion. It's a lifelong career. And it's always going to be like that. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Talking to basketball terms, 82 games in a season, you're not going to win them all. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So it's a really interesting one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my next question is, what are you most proud of in your career? Um, so I think getting to, getting to where I am now, like the... 
putting myself in situation where I didn't listen to some people who would be like, you know, you shouldn't switch jobs every two years. You should stay a bit longer. Yeah, haters or, or, or like just, you know, being like, it wasn't that common a few years ago to like change mm -hmm. jobs that often. Obviously, it was not every six months. I still spent like almost two years every time. But I, I felt like because the, the marketing industry was evolving fast, I had to evolve, evolve fast as well to get put myself in position where I could learn new things and advance as fast as it's advancing. So I think what I'm, I'm the most proud of is having done that, which means that now, you know, six, seven years down the line, which is quite short, being positioned as a CMO in a fin successful fintech um, company is like amazing. You That's know? awesome. Like I, I sometimes I just start, I wake up and realize I'm like, this is crazy you know that's that's so cool though because it just it goes to show that even if you can't articulate it just trusting your gut mm. you know knowing that things are moving quickly and if you stay in a especially at that time with marketing where it was evolving so much if you stayed in a company with an old school mentality yeah, yeah, yeah. could have been you yeah you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. really Absolutely. interesting yeah. okay and my last question for you is what does it take to be successful <laughs> Um, I thought about this one a little bit. I think it's um, putting the reps, you know, like the, it's like going back to like sports energy or whatever, you know, they say you have to spend 10,000 hours on something to get quite good at it and like start to like, um, be, you know, become, become an expert. Yeah, become an expert or like some sort of an expert. So like it, it's just putting the, putting the times in, in, into really understanding what you're doing uh, really like deeply and moving with it like I, I do that constantly like even at this stage in my career like I feel like I'm still doing so much research on like who's doing what in which industry we are which are the new tactics and mm. new channels and like I don't I don't wait and see like I proactively trying to push further so I spend a lot of time on like just trying things um, even as a CMO and that's why I like to also work like as a CMO in a s smaller company because I still get to do a lot of things um, I don't think I'm yet at that stage where I could just rely on people telling me you know what um, you know like in, in a more indirect way and then just managing people I'm not there yet I think I still need to have my fingers on the pulse you know um so yeah i think I, th I think that's what it takes you know being curious and mm. and just really spending the hours to understand something and then it work that's awesome thank you and Johan, where can people hit you up reach out to you where what, where can they learn about nude um so linkedin i think's the the main the main channel Johan pavi that's my profile um for nude you go uh, get nude.com that's the that's the website Find us on the App Store, uh, soon to, on Android as well, working on it. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, send me a message. Amazing. <laughs> Johan, thank you so much. Thank you, Roy. No worries.